well, hey, we've been, uh, we started up, not last week, but the week before, a little mini-series that we're looking at about finances. And the reason we did that is Pastor Mitch and I were talking, and we're looking at the, what numbers were coming out on the news and the media um, tied to the COVID crisis with people's finances. And it was kind of alarming that we're saying in America that 30% of renters, um, that when they missed one paycheck, couldn't make their rent. So what we're saying is that people have no savings accounts in America, that most people have very little, very little cushion. And so we began to look at that, and we said, well, how long has it been since we did a, a finance series, which I used to do every single year? And we looked, and I couldn't believe, and I think I said this two weeks ago, it's been five years. So we sat down and put our heads together and said, what were the things that Lord would want us to deal with um, from a biblical perspective about, about finances? And um, for the first week we did, Mitch and I sat here together and talked just about, the, just about a proper view towards the use of finances um, from Scripture. And we, so we talked about that. Mitch, you know, is our admin for our church. He does our youth, but he's our admin. He runs everything. He's a CPA. And so my background is a financial planner. So you guys got a couple of money guys here who, uh, who know how to think about money. And, um, and so we talked about what would be a biblical right perspective of that. And you missed that or you didn't watch it online, I encourage you to go on our website and, and watch that service. So we thought about what else would we, would we talk about. And, and we thought, well, we can't talk about finances without talking about a word that some of you dislike very much. And I'm hoping by the end of today, you like very much. And it's this four-letter word called work that uh, a lot of people are saying, why would we talk about work um, when we're talking about finances? Well, it's because of this. Raise your hand if you, somebody gave you $10 million and you've never had to go to work. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> liar, liar, pants on fire. Uh, not true, Mike. Um, very few people on the planet don't have to spend the majority of their life um, working. Most of us... Um, Aren't, aren't born with millions of dollars, and so it's, you know, what's that Disney movie? So hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go, you know, and hopefully you're singing that as you go to work because you're enjoying it. That's what I'm hoping is going to happen. We're going to talk about that, about why we would want to be happily um, going to work because most of us spend most of our awake time in our lives working. And so having the right attitude towards work is really important, and, and for some... Um, I know when I say working, you go, well, I, I don't work for a paycheck because some of you are retired. You worked for a lot of years, and now you're, you're drawing a pension or whatever. But I know this. You're still, at least I hope you are, you're still doing stuff that's productive. So that's work. You might be getting a paycheck. And some of you have the hardest job in the planet, on my, in my opinion, which is someone who stays home and raises their kids. And if they got a paycheck, we couldn't afford to pay you. Moms, and I've always said that, when people would drive me nuts when Suzanne, when our kids were little, they go, oh, you don't work. And I would just want to haul off and just punch them because it was usually some church person, you know, and I can't punch them because I'm the pastor. You're not allowed to punch people when you're the pastor. kind of stinks, but you're not allowed to. Um, but um, but it's, I'd say, not work. Say, she works 10 times harder than me. You know, when I have to watch the kids, it's like I'm terrified, you know. Even now with two grandkids, it's like, you know, Mark, can you watch you know, Levi and Callie, and I'm like, you know, how long, you know, <laughs> how long and how much candy do I get to give them in the period of time they're gone, because it's, it's terrifying to take care of them, they start crying, and you can't figure out why they're not stopping, and so, so anyways, um, some of you are, you know, are, are working at home, you're not getting a paycheck for it, but you're working at home, and that's important, and, but here's the deal, most of us spend most of our lives 
working. And what I want to do today is I want to explain how I think God sees the work that you do. So I think this, if you will understand how God sees the work that you do, that you will then understand how you should view the work that you're doing every single day of your life. See, I believe that work is intended by God to have a very specific purpose, many purposes, but one overarching thing, that work is actually worship. I'm going to explain that. Work is actually a way that we worship. Thinking working, this is kind of a good definition, working is glorifying God by using the talents that God has invested in you. So some of you are engineers and some of you are teachers and some of you, you know, work in factories and some of you raise kids and you do these things. The reason you can do those things is because God has invested in you certain talents that I don't have. And so God has invested these talents in you so that you can use them to make the world a better place. And that's really what work is all about. God using your talents that God has given you with the resources that he's made available so that you can use those um, before God and, and make the world a better place as well as using those talents and abilities to then to provide for yourself and your families. See, I believe you are worshiping God just as fully on Monday morning when you go to work when you make sales calls or when you're manufacturing shoes at Allen Edmonds or you're teaching kids at school or whatever else you do, I believe it's just as much worship as when you are here together on Sunday morning singing songs. That work is intended by God to be an avenue of worship. And I want to show you that today. So grab your Bibles. Open up to the very beginning of your Bible in Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 kind of a cultural mandate for all humanity. And I think you're going you're gonna to see some things and you go, oh my goodness, work has a purpose. Work is worship. So look at Genesis 1. We're going to look at verses 26 to 28. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So what do we have in these verses right here? We have what God giving a mandate to all of humanity. He's just creating humankind. And he's telling him and the, the Trinity, let us make. The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, our, our loving interaction and saying, let us make mankind, and this is what mankind should give its energy to. Telling humanity what they should do with the energy and the life, the gift of life that God has given them. And in a nutshell, if I wanted to summarize what he told mankind to do, he basically said this, get working. That's basically what he's saying here. God tells humanity, what's he say? To multiply and to subdue the earth and to rule over creation. And really, he could then illustrate how that works. He's showing that it's working. Because we see this little snapshot of how God, for the very first man, says, and here's how I want you to do this. So look just over at chapter 2 of Genesis. Look at verse 15, just one verse. And it's about God and, the, God and Adam in the garden. And then it says, the Lord God took the man, that's Adam, and put him in the garden of Eden. Why? What's it say here? To cultivate and to keep it. To cultivate and keep the garden. 
So when God says this mandate to rule over and to, and to subdue um, and to multiply, and he illustrates it, here's how you're going to do it, Adam. Humanity, here's how you're going to do it. You're going to cultivate and keep the garden. That's work. And if you hear gardeners, Becky likes to garden. I don't understand how people like to garden. But people, I like mulch. Mulch and preen. Those are the two things I like, right? Um, because weed barriers to keep the weeds from going and preen to keep the weeds from starting. But some people love it. But to a lot of us, it's work. I always tease Suzanne. Suzanne won't pull a weed. And I say because her dad ruined her. Because they had a garden as a kid, and he made her pull weeds. And she, to this day, she hates gardening. And so, because what he's saying, Adam, call, manage, manage the garden. He's talking about work. He's talking about a, a way that Adam would use the giftings that he had to work. Adam was able to take what God provided, the resources of the garden, and use what skills God had given him, blessed him with unique skills to cultivate it. And then by using the skills that he had in the resources that God had, he was able to make the garden a better place. It's kind of, we had a little experience about like this the other night. Um, about two weeks ago at our Connect group, um, we rotate homes when we go to our Connect group, and we went to the Parsons house where Robin and Angela lived. And Robin had been bragging about this project that Angela had been working on, that she had made this pond in the backyard. And honestly, when she's talking about the pond that Angela made, maybe I'm sounding really sexist here. I don't know why. I just thought the little pond, I thought it's like a pond like this big, Angela. She made this little puddle in the backyard and put a few flowers around it. It kept saying, oh, Angela made this pond in the backyard and, and all the, you know, the rocks and stuff. But we get there, and it's like a swimming pool. It's a, it's a big pond right out the back door of their house, and it's got a huge mound, and it's got a waterfalls coming down, and it's got water running into it, and it's got rocks all around. There's lily pads in it, and there's flowers everywhere. And you had a frog named Ferdinand, right? Ferdinand the frog. Did I hear Ferdinand's gone? I think Ferdinand got eaten by a raccoon, probably. But I said, I don't think Ferdinand's going to last real long. But they had a frog that was in there. Callie loved Ferdinand the frog. And um, so they, they had um, this, made this beautiful um, pond and flowers around it and the water running down it. And it was just so peaceful. That's what God's talking about here. That's what he's talking about, work as worship. It's taking the resources available, using the skills you've been giving, putting those together, putting your energy into it, and creating something beautiful. That's work as worship. And that's what, that, that's what, that's what we experienced when we were in Angela's and Robin's backyard. Now, this idea of work as worship, we can't all just go around making ponds look nice and making it just look like like a kind of very much like Adam in the garden, you know. Um, Rich gets to do that with people with all the landscaping. Uh, my front yard looks really nice because of you and your son showing us how to do that and making it look nice. Um, but there's other things that all of us have in our lives as we work that we can see from Genesis 1 how we can view our lives as work, as worship. And I think if we get this, it changes everything about your life. Because there's nothing worse. I've seen so many people in my life who every day get up and grit their teeth and say, I've got to go to work today. And they hate what they do. Well, now, some of people who have that just need to change what they do. And you say, it's not easy. It's not, it's not easy. But some people got to say, I've got to do this for 40 years. I've got to change what I do. 
But a lot of times, I really believe it's just a misunderstanding of what work really is all about. So let's look at some of the things that, that are tied to work as worship. And I think if you grasp these, it may change your attitude towards what God has you doing, and you're going to get out of bed Monday morning a whole lot easier. So it's the first thing I see from Genesis 1 to think about work as worship is this, that through our work, we are given the opportunity to establish God's rule or God's order in our workplace. In Genesis 1, he says to mankind, you go and rule over creation. And I think we've misunderstood that at times. I think humanity is often looked at as domination. That to rule over means I'm going to dominate something. But that's not really the gist of what's being talked about here. God's talking about influence. We can influence. Adam influenced the, the garden to make it better. Um, Angela influenced it. She put her effort and energy into it, influence, and made something beautiful out of the resources, the energy, and the and abilities that she has. So God's saying to rule over, we are to influence things. We're to influence for change. We're to influence right thinking. We're to influence virtue, that by being a godly person in the workplace, we can influence the way people act and think and think what's right and what's, what's wrong. And, and I, I want you to think about something. Have you ever considered that the reason that you have the job that you have, that it goes beyond just making money? Sometimes we just think, you know, it's just off to work I go because i got to get money to pay the bills. And, this, and that's part of it. Work provides for us. But have you ever considered that the reason that you work where you work is so that the kingdom of God can be established in your workplace? That a light can be lit in the darkness? When I was in college, one of the jobs I had in college, the most physically demanding job I've ever worked in my life is I was the laborer for a mason. I did that, Josh. I don't know how you do it. I was a laborer. Josh owns a, comp- a masonry company, but a laborer for a mason. It was the physically most difficult job um, whenever I, where I ever worked. But in my particular crew I worked with, as I recall, I was the only non-felon in the group. I was the only person with a driver's license of the whole crew. So I was at the driver everybody because I was the only one who could legally drive. And so I think, again, I was the only person that was not a felon in the crew. And here's what I found out. I was in Bible college, and they did not appreciate the Christian guy on the work crew. Now, I never preached at him. I never did, but I lived my Christian life. I never criticized the things they did. I lived my life differently than they did, and they didn't really like it. And they loved to make fun of the Bible college guy. Matter of fact, back in the day is how long ago it was, and this will mean nothing to some of you, but to some of you it will really mean a lot. I was just done with my freshman year at Jimmy Swaggart Bible College, the year that it crashed and burned, when Jimmy Swaggart Ministries crashed. Everybody in the news knew who this guy was. And I came from there, and they're like, why are you, why are you back in you're Wisconsin? You just came from Louisiana. Why? And I'm like, well, I went to a certain school. And uh, so then I, w- I was this Bible college guy who came out of a school with incredible scandal. Well, they just love to ridicule me and make fun of me and, and uh, you know, do anything they could to make me miserable, throw concrete blocks at me. They really did, um, all this stuff. But here's what I found. When I was in that job site, when they had anything significant in their lives, negatively or challenging significant, they would come to me always privately and always quietly so that no one else could see. And they'd say, hey, Mark, my mom was, just, I remember one in particular, my mom was just diagnosed with cancer. Would you would you pray for my mom? And I started praying for him. You know, I'd say, yeah, I'll pray for you. Or this was a common one. Hey, Mark, I got to go to court tomorrow. <laughs> would you pray for me? I don't want to go back to jail. And that was coming. Yeah, I'll pray for you. And so what was interesting is I was establishing the light of the kingdom of God in that workplace. 
Um, you know, that's worship. I was lifting up our great Lord and King, Jesus Christ, in that workplace, not in a, in a, in a difficult way, but I was lifting him up in such a way that they recognized that when they were in need, they could come to the God that Mark knew and ask for God to touch their lives. Friends, if that's not worship, I don't know what worship is. So, you know, how about this? In this idea of work as worship and establishing kingdom, have you ever considered that the reason that you started a business or are a leader in a business, you're a boss in a business, um, isn't primarily just to get a bigger paycheck than you made before because now you're boss or now you're the, the manager and now you make more? Now, that's nice. But is it possible the reason God led you to start the business or the reason that God led you to, to increase in promotions um, is so that you could run your business in a countercultural way. You could influence in a countercultural way where employees are valued instead of used, where employees are paid as well as possible instead of as little as possible, where Christian values of honesty and kindness um, and love are put ahead of, of the bottom line or anything else, that, that Christianity, Christian values are the foundation of your business. See, God gives us the opportunity to expand his rule, to expand his kingdom. And his kingdom is a place of, of goodness and generosity and love. And through our involvement in our workplace, especially when we become leaders, we get to bring that influence in. Friends, that's what worship is. You're worshiping God as you do that. So the first thing that we see about work from Genesis 1 is that, that work gives us this opportunity to establish the kingdom of God in that place that we work. Second thing I want you to notice today is from Genesis is that Genesis shows that there is, that there is no distinction in what we do between secular work and sacred work. That's not God's doesn't define things that way. We define things that way. And when we think work, so often what we do is we have a low view of work because we call it secular, and we have a high view of other things like coming together here because we call it sacred, and that messes us up. For so many of us, we misbelieve that what we do here Sunday morning is sacred, and I think it is. But here's where the misbelief comes in that we misbelieve that then when we go to work on Monday morning, that that's somehow different, it's secular. No. Look at what God instructed humanity to do when they're with their life energy as a way of bringing him glory. He said, work. He said, be fruitful and rule over and subdue. God didn't tell them, well, glorify me for, for by gathering together for one hour in a nice little building on Sunday morning with a cross on top, and then the rest of your week, just go out there and spend your time doing your best to earn a living. That's just a bunch of secular nonsense. Do that, but come back for the really important thing once a week for an hour. No, God gave humanity the, the sacred commission of using the gifts that he has entrusted to you in, to invest into mankind, to then shape and bless the world. That's work. That's work as worship. There is no secular and sacred distinction in our lives. You work, you know, whatever that is, your work is just as sacred as me preaching this sermon right now from the Bible. I absolutely believe that. What you do on Monday morning for work is just as sacred is what I do here when I preach to you from the Scripture because I believe that's how God sees it. 
because both require our God-given abilities used to make the world a better place. Let me explain. Some of our Portview family work at a local manufacturing place called Guy and O'Neill. Anybody in here work at Guy and O'Neill? First service, a number of people did Guy and O'Neill. A number of people in our community work there. Guy and O'Neill, amongst other things that they make, make disinfecting wipes, okay? Who thinks during the COVID-19 crisis that disinfecting wipes have been a good thing? Right? They've been a good thing. Matter of fact, you're sick of looking at them. But they've been a good thing. Our world is a better place because we have, during this COVID crisis, had the work of people at Guy and O'Neill. Some of our people in our church work at Kohler, just up the road. A number of our folks work at Kohler. Kohler, and amongst other things that they make, make toilets. Who thinks their life is better because of having a toilet? If you don't, you're lying. You know, I know that, you know, Greg, you're a, a Boy Scout, and they're out in the woods a lot. I bet you you always stay where there's a toilet, <laughs> you know. Um, Here's the deal. My life is better because people work at Kohler Corporation. The world is a better place because Kohler makes toilets. The world is a better place. Some of our Portview family work at Allen Edmonds right across the street right up here, and they make shoes. Now, maybe you don't wear by Allen Edmonds brands, but I think every one of you today is wearing shoes. And you could say, oh, no, but I wish I lived in the Caribbean and I didn't have to wear shoes. I don't want shoes, you know, toes in the sand. But guess what? You live in Wisconsin. And if you don't think shoes are important, I'm going to ask you the same question on December 30th. And say, what do you think about shoes? Are shoes important? Is the world a better place because you have shoes? Absolutely, the world is a better place because you have shoes. It is just as sacred to make wipes, and to make toilets, and to make shoes. In our first service, we had a person who's in law enforcement who's been spending his life trying to quell the riots in Milwaukee, putting his life on the line, and we have people who, other families in church who are in law enforcement, who are out on the front lines serving our country. If you don't think that's sacred and that's worship, I don't know what sacred is. It's establishing God's goodness in the world. And friends, you need to understand what you do is sacred. Your job is sacred. Even if you are the only Christian in your, in your place that you work, people, and the people around you are very difficult, it's sacred, your job, because what you're doing is making the world a better place, and what you're doing is you are there, and God is using you to be fruitful and to multiply and establish his kingdom in that place. You see, my greatest goal today is for each of you to see your employment from God's perspective, to see the sacred value of you doing what you do that makes getting out of bed in the morning worthwhile, that it is sacred to design buildings that don't fall down. It is sacred to to transport by truck products from one place to another so that we can go to the store and buy it. It is sacred to do these things. God gave you abilities to do those things. And when you use your giftedness for God and you establish his kingdom where, where you work, you, you shine like a light in the darkness, you are doing the most sacred thing you could ever do on the planet. And I, want, I, I believe God wants you to see it that way. So when we work, we establish God's rule in our workplace. 
We find that in Genesis. We, we recognize God's sacredness in all that we do. There's another thing that I think is super important when we think about work, and it's hit on here in Genesis chapter 1, and it's this. It's God's mandate to prioritize family as you fulfill your vocation. You see, we think of vocation as work, but vocation is bigger than that. Vocation is everything you do in life. And notice that in Genesis 1, God ties vocation, and here we're using for vocation these words from the text, rule, subdue, and be fruitful. He ties them to family. He gives the task, he says, to male and female together. Look at verse 27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God blessed them, plural. And God said to them, plural, man and woman, family, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God ties um, our vocation to our family. I think this is really important because it's easy to get wrapped up in our vocation thinking our whole vocation is just a job that we do at the expense of our families. And I especially mean this to any driven type in the room. And I'm one of you if you're here. That it's like climb the ladder, climb the ladder, do more, do more, get more, achieve, become the leader. And and we drive and we say, well, I'm, I'm worshiping God through this. But Genesis is putting this little, this little uh, caveat in here. In Genesis 1, he's saying, yes, be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth, you know, rule over everything. But understand you're doing it in relationship with your family. Let's remember something. Your vocation is all of what you give your life to. Too often we reduce that vocation to just earning a living. Um, but that's just part of a vocation. In Genesis 1, we find that the vocation includes prioritizing family. In fact, what we see here is that being fruitful and multiplying, which has to do with obviously with family and just reproduction, we also know multiplying has to do with being productive in all that we do, but being fruitful and multiplying is about marriage and family, and that is listed before subduing and ruling the world. God wants us to understand that part of our vocation, part of our job, in fact, the starting place is family. So how does that affect my my way of worshiping God through my work? Well, it says that the time with family, the energy given to family, must be a significant factor in how we spend our life energy. And maybe a good question for us to ask ourselves today would be this. Do I give my best to my job? Or do I give my best to my family? Or does my family just get my leftovers? Where do I give the most of my energy? Because maybe we need to ask ourselves this. Am I building my life in such a way that I am investing in my family and I'm investing in my career? That I'm saying family is super important and I, can, I need to invest in my family as part of the big picture of my whole vocation. What we see is that work as worship includes both of these. You imagine it is worship to, to, to invest into your family. It's worship for your wife to go away and you say, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to take care of the kids. Investing in your family. I'm going to somehow take care of them because some of you laugh at that, but I'm terrified to do it, you know? Um, but it's worship to do that, to prioritize family. Um, so, what, we're, what I'm hoping over these couple of weeks 
as we're talking about finances and, and uh, today in particular talking about, wor about work is that we will recognize that, that um, God has the best way for us to live. And if we'll follow his way in this idea tied to work, to work, if we understand that what we do is an act of worship, that tomorrow we're going to get out of bed, we're going to go to work. And we're not going to just drudgerly do what we're going to say, Lord, you know what? You created me special to do this job that no one else can really do as good as you can do because they can't, you know. Because and, and part of that doing that job is to invest into my family. And if I look at it and say, oh, I can do all of these. They're not just jobs to get done. This is a way of expressing worship to you. And as we do that, I think our, our lives will be so much richer because your job matters. What you do matters. It matters because it's a way of God providing for you. It matters because as you work where you work, as a Christian, you establish the kingdom of God. It matters because the work you do, you're using God's given abilities in a sacred way. And it matters for you because as you, as you look at your whole vocation and you say, how I invested in my family as part of the picture um, will make the world a better place. It matters. I want to close today in a, in a little different way than normal. I know because of COVID, we've had to kind of stop our bringing people forward and praying and doing all this stuff. And we'll get back to that at some point in the hopefully very near future. But I want to, I want to pray a blessing over you about work. I'm going to pray a blessing over you from the common book of prayer. A prayer of blessing designed to pray for commerce and industry in our nation. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning. And I want to pray this, this prayer. Normally we don't do that where we pray, you know, some written prayer a lot of times. But I just, I just think this is so appropriate right now from the common book of prayer. So let me pray this blessing over every person at Portview Church this morning. Almighty God, whose Son, Jesus Christ, in His earthly life shared our toil and hallowed our labor, we present with your, be present with your people where they work. Make those who carry on the industries and commerce of this land responsive to your will and give to all of us a pride in what we do and a just return for our labor through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Friends, let's change the world through our work. A lot of you are going to go to a place tomorrow, and you're a leader, maybe you're an owner, you're a person on a, on a line, assembly line, you're a person who works in an office, doing sacred activity when you do it. I want you to understand that's how God sees you. Think about how you can shine like a light in that place. How can you be a beacon of the love and the goodness and the grace and the generosity of Jesus? Even if you have a job like I had when I was in college where everybody thinks you're a lunatic. Shine. Because the time's going to come when they're in need and they're going to come to you are going to say, you know what? Would you pray for me? It's going to open up a door for you to expand the kingdom. So friends, God bless you today. Have a wonderful, relaxing Sunday. Get recharged. 
so that Monday morning that alarm clock goes off, you don't go, oh, I don't want to get up. You go, wait, what's God going to do through me today? And even if you're retired, God's still got something worthwhile to do. He didn't create you just sit around all day and, you know, walk on the beach. He's still got work for you. You're just not getting a paycheck. He's still got important things for you to do. So have your eyes open to the vocation that God has for you. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day in Christ.